Hey guys, welcome to Hearts of Men. I am super excited today because you are in for a incredible treat. Going to be talking to my good friend Kirk Bennett. Yes, Kirk is going to get ready to come on and we are going to dive right into some incredibly powerful truths and life-changing information. So you're going to want to some point grab a pen and paper and write down some of this stuff, okay? If you're driving, if you're in the gym working out, whatever you're doing, man, you're not going to be able to retain it all. I'm just telling you, so this is going to be good. This is why we exist, to talk to people like this that are walking the walk, not just talking the talk, and helping us as fathers and husbands apply this real information that's relevant to our lives. Let's jump right in. Hey, Kirk, are we connected again? We are connected again. <laughs> I've interviewed people uh, around the world, and this is fairly common, so um, <laughs> I, I couldn't hear you for a while. Maybe you could still hear me the whole time. I don't know. I could hear you uh, for about uh, a half minute after okay. it seemed like you couldn't hear me. Right, right. So this is the simpler. Uh, we'll do the simpler intro. Um, so... Um, yeah, Kirk, super excited to have you on. And uh, as I said, we um, oftentimes talk to people from different places. And uh, my last conversation was in Fiji. And I was hearing parrots and monkeys, I think, in the background and dogs barking. <laughs> so uh, this uh, will be a, a little more um, <clears throat> uh, distinct, but not uh, with that challenge. So Kirk, just uh, you, were, you were saying just a little bit about who you are. I've known you for many years, and you've been a, a good friend and a mentor and a spiritual father um, to myself and many like myself. And uh, just to tell us, again, a little bit about uh, who you are and what you're currently doing um, and what that looks like before we kind of jump into some of the uh, questions I have for you. Yeah, well, I will say that, uh, you know, I've been in ministry for 25 years and um, basically just pursuing Jesus as a prayer missionary uh, for the length of that time, the bulk of that time. And by that, I mean just uh, learning how to pray, helping people get in front of God and get out of the way. It's really my desire to uh, train up the next generation to encounter God and, and to know him, um, regardless of whether they're full-time in ministry or uh, people who have uh, full-time jobs and but are still seeking the Lord, um, the encounter with the Lord is really central to everything. And before I was in full-time ministry, for 16 years, I worked in commercial kitchen service repair, repairing kitchen equipment in restaurants. I worked with gas, electric, steam, plumbing, all of those kinds of things. Became a service manager of a company in uh, Maryland, in Baltimore, Maryland, and then moved to Kansas City when my wife and I felt led to bring our family out here and just to learn about prayer and, and the prophetic. And so got a job out here doing the same thing for six, seven years. And then the Lord just suddenly kind of pulled me into full-time ministry. And so I know a little bit about both um, kind of journeys that people are on. And sometimes it's a blend of those I think we are all full-time ministers in that we are day and night in relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and therefore that gives us that advantage of accessing heaven and accessing God 
while we do whatever our assignments are in the earth in any given day. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, so true. And I know that you um, have traveled to many, many nations and uh, obviously COVID has changed things a bit to where you've been um, based in Kansas city a little bit more. And, you know, this, um, you've seen a lot of things and you encourage a lot of people around the globe. Um, You know, I, I believe one of the reasons this particular podcast exists is to, to talk about the real issues that many fathers and husbands um, are facing uh, today uh, from a, a relevant, uh, authentic, biblical way, um, but not shying away from being open and transparent. So we, we value that. I know uh, many of our listeners are uh, not in full-time ministry like yourself and myself, but um, are just in the grind every day, um, having to even go to a dead-end job or having to deal with um, broken relationships and, you know, just the, the things that, and so I find it really valuable, as you said, um, you are a follower of Jesus, and that's a lot of times what we um, launch into, uh, rather than focusing on uh, just Christianity um, and some of what uh, what the church means um, to, to a lot of people, uh, a lot of people's experiences. And so um, I'm just curious what, you know, it's kind of as, as a segue into um, what do you, from your perspective, feel like is some of the greatest challenges that you see, uh, spe- specifically younger men, fathers um, dealing with that are relevant that, um, in, in this pursuit of authentic manhood? Um, what, what could you speak to? What do you see as, as a challenge? And then um, what, what, what do we do about it? Yeah, well, I think uh, the challenges that young men face and, and the, this whole young generation face is the explosion of the the visual and uh, that creates a virtual reality and then fantasy about that virtual reality. I think that's one of the largest things that we're facing is um, basically a, a so much screen time that mm. uh, it's beginning to shape our worldview of who we see ourselves to be and become. Um, what is uh, many times called in the um, in the Christian world our calling and our destiny and this kind of thing. And there's so much superheroism, which is basically just ancient Greek <laughs> theology right. or mythology. Um, there's so much of a superhero mentality, even about our own jobs at our own workplace that we've lost the value of faithfulness in the day-to-day and that faithfulness to the Lord. And so I think the biggest challenge of engagement in this whole uh, calling destiny, I'm I'm an amazing person and being all I can be, can tempt us into disregarding people like our families and disregarding the value of being a people even a people of God, if you're in the church, and uh, a, a people after the heart of God. And so I think the biggest challenge is that, um, this uh, whole virtual reality that's not real. Mm-hmm. And, I, and what I would say is I, I think the reality is far greater than we realize, that if we could see and engage more with the reality, which we're afforded in the simple things, 
that God's given us in relationship to him, then we would look at our virtual reality, our virtual plans and hopes and destiny and go, you know what? That's, that's nothing compared to what God has for us as, as a people created by him and for him. Wow. Wow. That's profound. Um, so an explosion of visual and virtual reality leading to an explosion of, of, of fantasy. Um, and then um, how that has clouded um, a lot of our image and even our identity. And what does that, what does that say about our identity as men? If that is the basis where, whether it's social media or where we, where we, derive our, our, our values from, the, the messages that we're receiving every day from the internet, um, you know, what does that say, uh, you know, about our identity and, and, and have we lost our identity and how can we recover it in the midst of this, this society and culture that's not going to change? I mean, it's not going away, but so mm. just curious what your thoughts on that. You know, I, I, I think it, that really sets up the, the key understanding of how we can walk this out, that our identity is really found in our creator, the one who made us, because we are eternal beings. If we come into relationship with him and we're born of God, born of the spirit, we are eternal beings and therefore have eternal identity in relationship to him. If we don't come into that or don't come into that fully in our understanding, then we run about with our temporal identities, um, that being our jobs, our occupations, our, our again, our, 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 our fantasies about who we think we're going to become, um, this kind of thing. And we can begin to see that as our identity. Uh, just to give you a simple example, you know, you ask a 40-year-old man, you know, well, who are you? And he says, well, I'm a doctor and I'm, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I have a family and this, and, uh, you know, so many children and, and uh, you know, I go to the hospital daily and, and I'm working on cancer research and da 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 That's who he sees himself to be. Well, if he were to get fired, if the, the medical system were to collapse, which could happen <laughs> here, who knows? Uh, right. If something like that were to happen, does he stop existing? Does he stop being someone? See, our identities are, are, are primarily, uh, well, they are based in relationship, not in occupation. And when we set up this mentality of, you know, uh, and even in this Christian church, you know, I've had prophecies maybe in my life, uh, you know, I'm going to be an apostle or a great evangelist or something. We see that as who we are, though we're not really walking in it. Those are temporal things that don't last forever in eternity. And if we can come into our identity, simply put, sonship, bridal understanding of our relationship with Christ the bridegroom. And priests unto our God. If we can come into these, we can actually facilitate all that God has for us in our earthly assignments. So it's important that we separate out identity from assignment. And, and these earthly assignments that we have, though they're not minimal, they're not menial, 
they are not who we are forever. And coming into our identity of who we are forever will facilitate every earthly assignment that we have from the Lord. Wow. Wow, that's <clears throat> profound and um, a lot to to chew on. As you were speaking, I, I was just seeing the word performance, and I just began to think about how um, you're describing that scenario of a doctor or, um, you know, uh, different occupations. And, and a lot of times, you know, because our society is a performance-based society, if you do well in sports, then you get awarded by going further and potentially making money and whatever career you're good at, anything that you do to excel. And oftentimes, and you mentioned in sonship, and I, I would like to maybe talk a bit in, in, under this topic of, of identity, what is what is sonship and how does that compare to um, what we know as an orphan spirit or that term, which might be a new term. Both these terms might be new terms. Some of our listeners, sonship, orphan spirit, but and how performance um, affects, affects that re relationship of identity with our creator. In other words, are, does God expect us to perform in order to be loved or accepted or valued because our culture is telling us, you know, that in order to be men who are valued and accepted, then we have to perform at anyhow. So I'm just curious how you would speak to that. Yeah, that's a great question. Sonship, of course, is an identity. When you're a son to your earthly father, um, you know, that's an identity as long as you and your earthly father have relationship. When you come into sonship with your heavenly father, that's an eternal identity. So it's going to be lasting forever. And I like to say, because it's eternal, that's who we are. Because sonship is not based on performance. Obviously, the word son implies a father. And the, the sonship obviously has to be relationally based, not performance based. Or we shift from being a son to being an orphan or being a worker um, this kind of identity or sense of uh, our, our mentality of who we are. Sons are related to the father. And so it precludes, walking in sonship precludes that you know the father, you get to know the father, and you walk in relationship together. And while there are some fathers out there who require their sons to, you know, do this and do this and do this, the sonship that Jesus modeled and, and, and I'll say brought us into the revelation of this sonship of the son of God. And we, we are thus sons of God in relationship to God is a relationship where Jesus describes it in, in two wonderful times in this, in the gospels. He says, the son can do nothing but what he sees the father doing. Right. So the son's not performing. He's simply doing what the father's doing. And the son really doesn't say anything, but what he hears the father saying, that's what he says. And so, you know, if, if we saw this in the world, we would call this puppetry or mimicking, but it's truly based on then Jesus has must have spent time with the father seeing what he was doing. He must have spent time with the father hearing what he was saying. And so it was time together. That was the rootedness or the, or the, um, 
or yeah, we'll use that word, rootedness of the identity of son. So a son that performs well, does not, that will make a father proud in the natural, but Jesus wasn't living off of trying to get the father proud of him by performing. He was simply doing what the father was doing. And in that doing, he was manifesting who the father is to the earth. Likewise, we as sons, men as sons of God, and I believe women are to come into this sonship as well, this understanding of walking in the rights of the firstborn, walking as if the relationship that Jesus had with the Father is the same relationship you can have with the Father. That's the purpose of Jesus calling himself the Son and speaking about the Father, is to bring us into the same understanding of relationship. Now, we never take his firstborn right <laughs> that he came and laid down his life for all who might believe in him to be saved, but he came to reveal who the Father was by relating to him in front of us. Thus, we are invited into that same kind of relationship as sons to walk out a relationship with the Father daily, constantly, looking for what he is doing, listening for what he is saying. Jesus's words in that John 5, 19 and 20 uh, passage, he says, the son can do nothing but what he sees the father doing. That's such a restraint of all ambition, all, all desire to try to impress. That's such a restraint of his own will, which we see again in the garden when he manifests in prayer on the night uh, he's betrayed. And, and he says, uh, Father, not my will, but yours. That's mm -hmm. the beauty of sonship as a total surrender to the will of God. Now, finding his will, tuning into his will, becomes the key in that sense. Wow, man, <clears throat> guys, that's, uh, this is really good. And uh, you almost have to pause as you're, <laughs> as you're speaking. I'm just, all, you know, all these, all these questions and thoughts and um, images, you know, are flashing. Uh, it's hard to pull one down, but, um, you know, I, I think um, it's really healing because, I think a lot of, you know, we know, we, we know that we know we live in a fatherless generation and we know that it's only increasing um, if, even in the church. I mean, we often I've talked a lot about this in some of my episodes, the reality of a, uh, a an emotional neglect or an emotional spiritual abandonment that, that even many Christian men have grown up with, meaning their fathers are are there. They might be good providers, but they didn't necessarily have a good example from their dad. So there's this absence of the father's affection when it comes to verbally encouraging or verbally exhorting and verbally speaking to uh, sexuality and speaking to, you know, as at a young age. And, and I think um, it's one of the things, you know, even in my own life, I had a, an amazing dad in so many ways. And yet, you know, emotionally and spiritually, um, there was a lot of neglect. And so I now as a father of four, my youngest is five, my oldest is is 13, you know, I, um, I, I, I get stumped many times emotionally throughout the days when I find myself wanting to withdraw or disconnect from my own kids. Like I know the stuff, you know, I know 
this revelation. I've experienced it. And so I guess, uh, you know, I'm wondering, and I'm just being uh, transparent because I think there's a lot of men that we go, wow, this is really good. But how does it transfer? Like I'm trying to receive from the father, right? And how do I give that? If you haven't received it from your natural father, we know that we can from God, the father, as you're saying, as you're showing us. But how, how does that how does that transfer then to our sons and daughters where it feels disconnected um, many times? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. A very real question. How can you give away what you don't have uh, to give? And that was uh, really my journey when I was uh, 25 years old, 24 going on 25 uh, I had my first child, a son, and I remember laying uh, or putting him down at night, laying him in the bed, and and here I am, this little baby, and I lay him down in into the crib. This is a year or two later, and the thought suddenly hits me, oh, no, I'm a father. I mean, the joy of I'm a father was was delightful, you know, there at his birth and holding him. And I got a son and I'm so proud of that. But then the, the staring at him one, one night in the crib when he was already asleep and I go, Oh no, I'm a father. And I'm not sure I have what it takes to be that. And uh, some great passages of scripture on this, where Jesus is trying to help fathers understand that the Holy Spirit is what they need. And, and he says to them in, in uh, uh, Luke 11, I think it is, he says, uh, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a piece of bread, he's not going to give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, he's not going to give him a scorpion. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts, so he's appealing to fathers on understanding this father-son uh, relationship. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more? That how much more? I call that the three steps to shifting from seeking fatherhood blessing from your earthly father to seeking fatherhood blessing from your heavenly father that you have something to give. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for it? You see that we, we have many views about the Holy Spirit and he's the helper and he gives us power and he gives us gifts and he grows in our fruit. But do you know that he's the spirit of adoption? Mm. He's the spirit that comes into us and and starts this everlasting prayer meeting in us until we ourselves grown with the same grown that he grows, Abba Father, Abba Father. And that's that Romans 8 grown. And when that spirit deposit in us, not just to give us power to do it on our own, but to basically empty us to a groan that we can't do it on our own is really the spirit of adoption coming into us to make us cry, Abba, Father, until we're in relationship with him. 
and that Abba Father relationship with him. And, and, and you can begin this if you sense a lack in it today, just by going, Abba, Abba, I need you. I, I, I long for you. I want to know you as Father, Abba. And, and if you begin to do that, your, your spirit will begin to line up with the Holy Spirit grown in you, which is the same. Wow. And that, that groan of Abba Father becomes a, an interactivity where you begin to sense his presence, see his face, hear his voice, and begin to interchange with it. Not just to help you get done your job, but to know him as your eternal father. As you begin to do that, then mm. so many passages of scripture open up. So many places become not just words on a page in the, in the, in the Bible, but become an actual interchange with the father. Christ called himself son of God or, and son of man to release a revelation of the father and who he is to us. And so as the son of God, he, never, he was never keeping the focus on himself. He's going, the father's greater than me. Just behold him. And here's how I relate to him. Here's how you can relate to him. So that grown Abba Father, just begin there. And, and that connect will come. Wow. So I hear you saying um, in all of this that, that it starts with, with us receiving ourselves through that encounter, through that groan, and even at, at like the void that is there for many men, um, the stepping into uh, receiving and beginning by um, even just saying words like, like Abba, which means daddy, you know, and that might be strange for some some men, especially if their their earthly father wasn't a daddy, it wasn't a, a, a that's a term of endearment. That so it's it's just not just a, a distant, you know, it's a daddy, I love you. And and I, I think that um, receiving ourselves and then before we can really connect, because you know I'm feeling even as you're sharing, you know, and I'm just feel like I'm I might be speaking for somebody that might be listening to this, but I uh, I feel like that, you know. Uh, I, I, I hear the longing as I'm connecting and I, as I'm feeling what you're saying. I feel the father's affection. And it's like in that place. And I just want to run to my, my, my oldest son, for example, you know, and, and uh, just, you know, I remember those critical years when I was 13, 14. And, and when the, the disconnect began to grow even more, you know, as, as sexual confusion and, and things in my own life began to form and I, the disconnect with my earthly dad, you know, it's like, I can, I can feel that that turning inside of my spirit. Like I just I want I want to receive that so I can so I can give it to my son, you know, and and, and uh, so I can speak identity to him and help him encounter what I didn't get, what I didn't encounter, what you didn't encounter growing up, what most of us haven't encountered, you know. And, and uh, I just think you know it's it really grieves me because if you think about. Um, the there's a large i think actually the highest number of atheists right now exist amongst our teenagers um this generation uh, z i believe um after the millennials and um I, you know i just i think the fatherlessness i think the media the the the, the realm of, as you said we started with the visual the all this explosion of of our identity on facebook or instagram or tiktok whatever it is and these things coupled together are like a perfect storm that is causing people to turn to no longer even believe 
in any kind of a heavenly father and especially, you know, and, and so we find ourselves in this tug of war with, you know, uh, <laughs> is this really real? Is this really available? And um, so true. So, so true. It's, it's, yeah. <clears throat> and our anchor, Scott, really is God, our heavenly father and engaging with him. And not only the purpose of Jesus calling himself a son, but the purpose, you know, which is the purpose of the word becoming flesh. And, and the word is still becoming flesh. In other words, we use the word word um, for the scriptures. And the scriptures become flesh as we engage God in a conversation using the scriptures, using the simple father passages. Anytime right. the, that Jesus said the word father, um, you know, in red letters, there's a revelation of the heavenly father going on. And if we just engage with that in conversation with the Lord, just taking one of those verses where Jesus says the word father and going and, and asking the father in heaven, father, how does this matter to me? How does this reveal who you are? How, and just write a ton of questions to God on this and then listen and wait on him. We'll find just repeating that, that verse over and over again, that we can turn it from information to conversation, to from words on a page to an interchange with this God, the father. I want to just highlight if I can, um, how Jesus not only um, got this blessing from the Father outside of his works, it was critical. When Jesus begins his ministry in Matthew chapter 3, and we see it in, in, in Luke um, as well, that he's baptized by John the Baptist. He has no need to be baptized by John the Baptist. I mean, Jesus is the great high priest. What's he getting baptized from an old orator Aaronite priest, as it were? What's he need that for? No, he's baptized by John the Baptist. And it says when that happened, three things happened. And, and, and fathers, we need to take note of these three things. It says the heavens opened. And that's the picture of the father moving towards the son. When heaven opens, typically it's not we're going up, but heaven is coming down. So when heaven opens, that's the father moving towards the son. It says the spirit of the Lord descended on him like a dove. He felt that. So we have first the father moves towards the son or daughter or wife, hmm. the, and then that spirit descending like a dove and, and putting his hand on him, it says he was, um, he could feel that. It, it, it felt like something. And that's the, the, the component of a blessing where we're touching or laying our hand onto a person. And, and this is good for everyone, but certainly our family, our wives and our children should experience this from us as men. This is part of our priestly sonship, okay? Mm -hmm. And so the putting the hand on. And then thirdly, he speaks these words, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So was he pleased at him because he had done so many miracles? No, Jesus hadn't done any miracles. 
Had he done the works of the Father that are spoken out throughout the Gospel of John, the works? No, he hadn't done any supernatural works that we know of at this point. So what is he so pleased with? And it's, it's very simple, yet it's the rooting of God's pleasure. He's pleased with him because he's his son. Mm, wow. And regardless of his works. Now, certainly, Jesus was in relationship to his, his father up until that point, and he did good things and righteous things. But this gives us a, an anchor that God's pleasure is not rooted in our obedience or our, our, um, our, our, our miraculous things that we do or great ministry things that we do or do for people. His pleasure in us is rooted in that we are his sons. And if we can begin to receive that baptism, that is in essence the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted in, in the Matthew and the Luke passages, it says in the Luke passage, he was full of the Holy Spirit. Right. And then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. And so this filling of the Holy Spirit was about sonship. And it was the key thing. That's why the enemy comes to him. He's not tempting him with bread and tempting him with power. He's tempting him by saying, if you are the son of God, he's challenging that blessing from the father and saying, do works to prove you are the son of God. Not only that, but he quotes scripture to him. He quotes Psalm 91, which is probably one of the most quoted Psalms in the last two years. <laughs> you know, it shall not come near me has been our right. most quoted Psalm around COVID all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that when that first happened, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, in America, people were going, well, I, we have this psalm, you know, it shall not come near me. And I'm going, guys, do you think the people who are saints and believers in China don't have that psalm in their Bibles? You know, they're quoting the same thing, and they've got a lot more faith than we have. There's something deeper going on here. Anyways, right. <laughs> this, this, um, this sonship matter, this sonship blessing, is what the enemy and your flesh tempts you to try to prove your sonship by doing great things. And the truth is, Jesus didn't do the amazing works to prove that he was the son of God. He, he did them because he was the son of God. He did them because he already knew the love of God in his heart. He wasn't trying to get God to love him. He was doing these things because God loved him wow. and showed him what he was doing. Right. So the wow. sonship, again, is a dynamic of relationship, three components of a blessing. Move towards your children, your spouse. Put your hand on them and speak words of grounding over them. You are my son. You are my wife. You are my daughter. I am pleased that you are my daughter. It creates great joy in my heart to, to speak over you what I know on the inside and that you hear it 
you are my daughter. Mm. I love you because you are my daughter, because you are my son, because you are my wife. This three component blessing is fundamental to fatherhood. It's fundamental to who we are. And you all know that you could do that right now with right. your your spouse, your, your sons and daughters, because it doesn't take where they are in life right now, whether they're in obedience, doing right, or they're in jail, you could still do that blessing over them wow. because that comes from who they are and who you are in relationship to them. Wow, that's amazing. And that's incredibly <laughs> practical. And, I, and I, as Kirk said, I, I would encourage and echo that to to all of you dads and, and here's the thing i think the majority of our listeners are between 40 and 60 years of age um yeah. and I, I, uh, most of us are either uh have teenagers or if you still have some young ones like me or kids that are already in college or beyond college i think that's never if you have not done this no matter what stage of life your children whether grown or young um, we want to encourage you to even today it's it's really simple as kirk just described and uh, those three steps, move towards them, you know, go find them and, uh, you know, ask them if you can lay your hands on them. You want to give them a father's blessing and just begin to speak that blessing. And so um, that is incredibly important. I'm thinking about, um, you know, just uh, you mentioned the term, you know, priest and uh, priest in our homes. And I think about Jesus and I think <laughs> about the fact that, you know, scripture teaches that he is the the great high priest uh, yeah. and, and, and lives to intercede. And I think it's Romans eight, you know, in our weakness, we don't know what to pray and he prays for us. And, you know, there's this kind of uh, interchange now as Jesus is before the father uh, interceding and kind of being a priest. Um, what, what does that look like um, for us? I feel like this kind of goes in progression when we receive our sonship and our identity, we're growing in that actively every day. <laughs> Um, and then we begin to realize that we're now we're actually we're not just sons, but we're at, we're priests as well in our families. And that takes a different a little bit of a different role. And so if you could speak to that for a few minutes. Yeah, that's um, that's a really good question, Scott. And uh, I want to revert back to something I just kind of mentioned in one of my little uh, sharings here on this podcast, but that we basically have three eternal identities because God relates to us in three different ways, we could say, but they're actually all summed up in the same thing. Uh, number one, uh, we, we learned this um, early on, that God is a father, and therefore we're sons. Now, we start out as children and come into the sonship. Secondly, Jesus calls himself a bridegroom throughout the Gospels, all the way through the revelation of the bridegroom is so powerful in the book of Revelation. If you stare at it, read it, pray it, minister it to God, not just as a book about the revelation of what's going to happen at the end of the age, but a book about the revelation of Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. And it, be, it, it so takes on a different understanding to us, and we learn to relate to him as a bridegroom, which is not just, um, it, it, it has to do with uh, that nearness that we can grow in affection with him, receiving his affection and, and giving back affection and partnering with him. 
The third identity then is what we call priests. And all three of these, we are forever these three things because God's identity is in this. God is a father, therefore we're sons. Jesus is a bridegroom, therefore we are the bride. And God is a king on a throne with Christ as his great high priest. And therefore, we are priests of that same order of priesthood unto God. And all three of these identities basically sum up in one thing. When people go, okay, what's all this about? And I go, access. The answer is really access. That because you're his son, you have access to the father. Because you're the bride, you have access to your bridegroom. And because you're a priest unto your God, and your God is a king priest on a throne, you have access directly to him. All other religions have a mediation, but Peter calls us a kingdom of priests, and therefore we all have direct access without needing a priest to be before this king on the throne. Now, the priesthood activities are summed up in three things. Number one, we worship God. Priests minister to their king. And as priests of a heavenly kingdom, we minister and have access to minister to our king. We enter what we call the throne room. We enter into his presence. There's so many phrases out there that we use in the church, but it simply has to do with we can stand before our king, behold him by the spirit, and sing praises to him, adoration to our king. The second thing that a priest does is intercede. He's between the people and God. Now, there are, there are people who are, who are not um, in relationship with him. So his, his calling, as it were, is to intercede, to, to stand in the gap and present them to the Lord, present the Lord to them. This intercession as a priest is to bring them into relationship with their creator, their maker, their father, their bridegroom, these kinds of things. And as a priest, he mediates that relationship until they can be directly connected to God. The third thing that a priest does, a lot of people don't think of this. They think of prophets as different, but priests prophesy. And to give a simple definition of that, it's given by an angel to John in the book of Revelation. He says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That it's simply this revelation of who Christ is in word and in deed that brings this testimony of Jesus. That is a, a overarching view of prophecy. And so the priests prophesy. If you read the book of Ezekiel, you'll find in Ezekiel chapter 1 that Ezekiel writes about himself not as a prophet, but as a priest in Ezekiel chapter 1. When you look at uh, a, a well-known prophet in the Old Testament, Elijah, you look at Elijah, 
and and Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal. That's one of his great heroic events, you know. And we say he he was a prophet confronting their prophets. Well, Elijah confronts them by building an altar at the time of the evening sacrifice. Now, why is he doing that if he's a prophet? Because he understands priesthood. He knows who he is and how encounter works with the Lord. So he, he, he's entering into an appointed time to build an altar. You're a priest. He's building an altar, and, and the encounter that happens with the prophets is against a priest who is Elijah. The first time priest is mentioned, or, or excuse me, the word prophet is mentioned in the Bible. It's God speaking to Abimelech in a dream in Genesis 20. And Abimelech has taken Sarah, Abraham's wife, for his wife. And, and God said, basically, give her back. And then he says this to um, Abimelech in the dream. He says, this man is a prophet, and he will pray for you. So we see that this priesthood, which we know Abraham built altars, he was in this uh, protocol of encounter with the Lord. Priesthood is worship, prayer, and prophecy. That's what priests do. And that's what we do as men in our own households. We worship God in front of our family. We praise him. We adore him. We give him the glory that he's due. We pray. We intercede for our family. Guys, lay hands on your wives before you go out to work and go, Lord, bless my wife. Let her come under a greater revelation today. Put your hand upon her as she does the work that she is to do, whether it's in the home or outside of the home. Make her a grace-filled woman. We intercede same way for our children every morning, every evening, interceding for them, spending time with them, uh, that they hear you pray. And then thirdly, we prophesy, we reveal the testimony of Jesus to our family, with our family, through our family. So priests worship, pray, and prophesy. It's that simple. Wow. That really, really breaks it down, guys. And um, I hope that uh, that blesses you as much as it's blessing me um, to be reminded of these deep, deep, profound truths uh, in, a, in a simple way that I think all of us can can connect with. Um, really appreciate that, that Kirk, and that revelation. I know you've given much of your uh, your life and ministry to uh, to this, and so it really. Uh, it really comes out, and I think that's one of the uh, most valuable aspects outside of you just being you and being loved for who you are um, as an individual, but your contribution to the body of Christ uh, in this area of priesthood and sonship. And uh, so I, I just, um, you know, as we take a few more minutes here, uh, nearing uh, this end of our, our time together, I, you know, I'm wondering, um, what, do you, what do you feel... Um, you know, I'm a pastor of a local church, and, and, and most, maybe many of these listeners are involved in churches. And, you know, I think about the, oh, just the great um, confusion in our day and even in the church. And it seems like that uh, the body of Christ is kind of on a slippery slope where uh, absolute truth in, in our culture is, and even in the church, you know, all sorts of uh, ideas that, that aren't biblical and things that are being embraced. And there's just so much, not only is confusion outside of the church, 
but confusion is in the church. And I think all of these things we're talking about are, are really helping us to have correct alignment, you know, to God, the father and the son and the spirit. And then our access and our place of what we give out. So we correct alignment identity and what we then contribute to our families and, and even those in the body. Um, but do you feel um, any advice even to churches, to, uh, you know, leaders that what we can be doing to uh, in, in regards to truth and uh, absolute truth and standing on truth and, 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 and what would you say um, in, in, this, in this time where there's been so much divisiveness and, and so much, I mean, I've, I've seen it even in this, this town, this community, you know, whether you're <laughs> pro-vaccine or pro-this and that, and, you know, it just seems like there are some or political, uh, your stance politically, and we've come through so much in this past year and a half, you know, I think if we really stop and think, you know, really probably any leader or pastor needs a, a month-long sabbatical fishing somewhere in Alaska just to to recover their soul after walking through <laughs> what we've walked through. But um, what would you speak, you know, regarding truth and then regarding the slippery slope that our culture and the church is on? And, and uh, let's kind of end with that question. And Yeah, um, it's going to sound counterintuitive, but we need to rest more. But not the rest of going to Alaska. Not that there's anything wrong with that right now. <laughs> it sounds right. really appealing. But not the rest of disengagement with God. And what's happened is in the midst of the busyness, the swirl, the confusion is people have disengaged with God and have engaged more with people talking about God than with God himself. And I believe God's inviting us back into the secret place. So real quick passages, I said, 2620, come, my people. Hide yourself in your chambers, in your bedrooms for a little while. And it's not isolate yourself, but come, come be with me. I want to talk with you right now. So that Isaiah 2620, look up that passage. It's so valuable right now to where we are. And, and I've been in that passage in a certain sense for uh, 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 over a year now, a year and a half probably. Um, in that passage. And that place of right now is a great time to get intimate with the Lord when you can't do a lot of things and things are shut down. Secondly, um, learning to enter into that place that is the bedroom chamber of rest. Hebrews 4 talks about striving to enter into rest. And the strife is, 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 is not the strife to you know, to try to be restful, that, that wouldn't make any sense. It's the laying aside of things that don't matter to enter into rest with him, mm. to enter into the promise that is Christ himself. And so this is this pulling back, I think we need as families, but I think we need as individuals, not pulling back and stop engaging so much with the swirl of confusion and trying to get it clear for yourself and make it clear for others as it is, what's the Lord saying right now? Because so many things that I heard 
over the last year and a half that were called prophetic were simply cut and paste messages from somebody else and somebody's, you know, YouTube video and somebody's Facebook video. Here's what's really going on. There's a passage in, in Jeremiah 23, 18 through 20, 18 through 20. It says this, who has stood in the council of the Lord? Who has seen and heard what God is doing? Behold, a whirlwind is going to break out on the head of the wicked. And then the last phrase is so intriguing. It says, in the latter days, you will understand this perfectly. There is a revelation, an open door, an access to the counsel of the Lord. And it's important that people not just take the way out like Peter you know, I'm just going fishing, you know, at the, after Jesus had resurrected and he had denied it, I'm going fishing, you know, that's what a lot of people want to do. But, right. you know, if you're going to go fishing, I'll just say this, take your family, take a Bible, create an encounter space in the fishing cabin and get with oh. the Lord right now. He's accessible like never before, because so many of the systems and and things that have kept us distracted have shut down. So now right, we have access right. to God. Take that access. Come into your identity. Wow! <clears throat> Take that access and come into your identity, um, man. I, guys, I don't know. I, I've I've been writing um, all kinds of notes, you know, and uh, um, obviously to help me with questions, but also just revelation, just you know, things that, that, that I've known over the years, but it's just, it hits you, you know, this is all, I really believe this is going to hit many of you um, fresh. And I believe it's going to hit you in a way that you need so desperately right now. And I, I, I just pray that, that this, these words, um, this understanding uh, that would really help you um, navigate. And, you know, the reality is um, it's funny. Uh, I think it was last year before I started, I started this, this podcast in, in January, kind of by default, by accident, because a friend of mine, I started a blog, actually, you know, I'm thinking 10 years ago, yeah, blogs, everybody's writing. And my friend was like, hey, nobody's reading blogs anymore. Like, well, you should just do a podcast, you know, think about it's audio, you know, people hardly read the Bible, but they'll listen to it. And uh, so I started thinking, <laughs> you know what, uh, okay, uh, if that's going to help reach people and uh, get the message out that, um, uh, as this, then, then let's go for it. And so um, I think that, listening, I, I, listening to God, listening to the word, you know, that's, I mean, it's a hero Israel, Deuteronomy six, you know, and actually it's interesting because I just spoke on this last Sunday, but that hero Israel, they hear in the Hebrews actually don't just listen to it, but actually like do like obey and, and like, Hey, you got the access. Like the Lord, your God is one, like he's your God. He's your only God. And I think, you know, some, so often we can listen to things and, but then not, you know, access them or not maybe even walk them out. And, uh, you know, don't just be, be hearers of the word, James says, but be doers of the word. And, yeah. and so I just want to, want to kind of leave us as we wrap up just with this, this, this thought of let's put, let's put some of these things into action and go back and listen to this. Uh, some of you need to listen to this several times and, and do what I did. Take notes. Um, Kirk, I'm going to ask it in a minute. You would just, just maybe close us in prayer. I really, really appreciate your time and um, just pouring out uh, in this way to me and to many uh, that will listen. Uh, actually, right now, it's interesting. We um, have an audience in Northwest Arkansas, but also 20, 22 countries 
around the world currently that uh, have some uh, percentage of listeners. So it's exciting to think that many people um, that I don't know, you don't know that will potentially get to hear this. So that's, that's really good. And uh, so if you would bless us, any, any closing thoughts that you have, if not, that you would just bless us in prayer and, uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> well, I just want to pray quickly this uh, verse. It's these two verses in Ephesians three, verse 11 and 10. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Father, I ask for everyone hearing this to grow in their identity as sons, to grow in their identity as priests, to confidently and boldly access you continuously. We know we have access but we want to now do access. We want to actually access you in this way. Make it a, a willful desire in your people to access you continuously, that there will be a growing confidence and a joy in our hearts in the midst of these times. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Kirk, thank you so much. And you know what I'm going to do is follow up with you about getting you down to Northwest Arkansas for some hangout time <laughs> soon. And if anybody else is listening out there, you might be having a little schedule coming up here that'll get you to get Kirk to your city. Uh, but uh, I just appreciate you so much, brother. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, I look forward to being in touch. Well, thank you so much. God bless Take you, care. Scott. Bye-bye. Bye As I told you, that was incredibly amazing. That was incredibly powerful. I hope you were blessed as much as I was. Literally, I was writing down so many notes and so many things as Kirk was sharing. You know, this is one of those episodes that you want to share, you want to give away. So I encourage you to share it with anybody. Um, listen to it with your wife, okay? This is something that you need to be able to listen to with those you love the most and put it into practice. There were some amazing deep truths that Kirk spoke into. So grateful for him and his ministry. And I know you were blessed and give that blessing away 